where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. We always enjoy our visits with the professor, John Clayton, who joins us from Seattle. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Everything's good here in St. Louis. I, I trust you're staying safe. And as we've talked about a lot before uh, with you about, John, the, the, everything really got started with this COVID-19 pandemic in Seattle. Where do you guys stand right now? Well, it's. I mean, the numbers are still down, although there was a big spike yesterday in deaths. So it was like... 21 deaths where there's been about on average of maybe uh, 16 or 13 in the last week. But the, the test positive tests were down to 132 yesterday, which is a pretty good small number. And it's really been below 500 for about, uh, oh, I'd say almost four weeks. So that's been that's been encouraging. And, of course, they're going to continue everything as far as we're in phase one. They're going to go into phase two probably on June 1st. So the restaurants still are only doing takeout. They've opened up the parks, but uh, they've done a good job of keeping the numbers down, and they hope it continues. John, before we get to some questions about current the current state of the NFL, earlier this week we got the news that legendary head coach Don Shula had passed away. Do you have a favorite Shula memory that you could share with us? Well, I mean, just how intense he was. I mean, how good he was, and I was I was so fortunate. Because I started covering the NFL in 1972 when I was in high school. I was a senior in high school. And so I was covering the Steeler games and, of course, uh, sent them for a paper in St. Mary's, PA. And so I had the pleasure of you know, covering that AFC championship game, uh, the, the championship game with Pittsburgh and Miami. And uh, Shula was coaching that, and that was the undefeated season. So that was my tip-off. And then, of course, the one thing I had to do when I was at the Pittsburgh Press, uh, I had to go down one time to uh, Miami Talked to Don Shula. Talked to I did a story on his uh, sons who were coaching. I did a story on Dan Marino, and then the fun story they wanted me to do was the story on Mark Duper, Super Duper. And so I ended up calling his high school track coach, and the track coach told me he's like, "Oh, by the way, you know his name's not Duper. Like, what do you mean? It's like it's Dupa. It's like Mark Dupa." And so uh, I end up finding that's true. I wrote the story. I got called into Don Shula's office. <laughs> Uh, after the game, and he just reamed me out because he thought that affected his concentration for the game. SI came back in the next week and uh, did the same story, showed pictures of where he grew up and how in the mailbox it was Dupas. But, uh, you know, Don just blew me up. But then after that, he was fine with me. So uh, I just yeah, respect what he, he cares about his players and, and he, any distraction, he's going to go at somebody. John, I want to follow up quickly on that. You mentioned that you were, what did you say, 17 in high school when you first started writing. How did that happen? Take us through that early chapter in your career, because that's amazing that you were able to start so young. Oh, yeah. What happened was that, uh, you know, my father lived in St. Mary's, PA. And so in the summertime, I was able to go to the St. Mary's Daily Press, and he set that up. 
so that I could, uh, you know, cover cover some things before my senior year and cover softball games. Uh, you know, Straub's Brewery was real big, and the Straub family was all there, and they all played softball. And so I uh, I covered that, and you know, worked at the you know, work didn't get paid, but I worked at the St. Mary's Daily Press through that summer. And so then I came back, and uh, you know, they said, hey, why don't you go cover some Steeler games? So I applied. For credentials and was approved and so covered training camp would write uh two three stories a week for the st mary's daily press covered them all through the immaculate reception and then uh you know out of that uh i started you know meeting people and so like for example uh, i met the play-by-play announcer of the pittsburgh condors the aba team and so i was doing stats for him so it just kind of started my career when i was 17. That's amazing. The professor, John Clayton, with us on 101 ESPN. And, John, we learned a couple of days ago that a fourth worker at SoFi Stadium in L.A. tested positive for the coronavirus. It seems to me this is a little bit irresponsible on the part of the people building the stadium to keep doing it when people keep testing positive. Yeah, no question. And at some point, uh, they're probably going to have to stop that. That's why, like, for example, I don't know what it is in St. Louis, but uh, until this past Monday, they were limiting the type of construction. Like, for example, if anybody was trying to do any work on a house or anything like that that wasn't essential, you know, they could come. If they were even giving just a bid, they could lose their license. And so uh, that stopped the construction work. And so you'd have to wonder how many more cases are going to take to be able to do it. But then, of course, the other question is, you know, Who's going to be uh, you know, allowed to go in the stadium? Because we don't know where it's going to go as far as you know the teams being able to play there. But yeah, it's a, it's a concern, and at some point, the, the more that have it, and again, you, I mean, you, for the most part, I mean, how close are people working? Because again, I don't know about the six foot uh, distance rule and all that, because most uh, it can be spread out. But yeah, I think that they have to make a bet, do a better job of monitoring that, or they're going to have to shut it down. John, are you buying into the Jared Stidham hype that the Pats are selling? Uh, the the hype that he's going to be the starting quarterback, 100%. Yeah, because I think everything that Bill Belichick has done has indicated that he's going to have Stidham as the quarterback. And he likes him. I know if you talk to people that go on scouting trips when he was uh, trying to draft him and all that stuff, heard the good things that he said, and to a point where it's like, you know, certainly in the back of his mind, if Tom Brady would leave, Stidham's going to be the quarterback. But you notice they didn't draft a quarterback even though they had 10 picks, they did not make any moves toward Andy Dalton. You know, they haven't made a move toward Cam Newton. So I don't buy that it's going to work because, you know, now you've got Stidham uh, on a team that still lacks a lot of talent because they've chased so much talent away. So that's why Buffalo, I think, is going to win the division in the AFC East. And uh, they're going to struggle for the Patriots just to have a 500 season. But Jared Stidham, I think, is going to be their quarterback. Speaking of Cam Newton, John, where do you think he's going to end up? Hard to tell. I think he's almost in a position right now where he's going to have to just wait till uh, close to summertime to see if there's an injury or something happens because you know he has a, he's had two surgeries. Oh, he's, you know because he's had the problem with the Liz Frank. He's had the shoulder problems, and so there's no physicals being allowed right now. And so players like Jadeveon and Clowney and Cam Newton, they just have to sit and wait. And I don't know when this is going to open up to a point where you can go get a team physical. And it can't just be you know a physical going to a, a regular doctor. I mean, the team's got to check him out because if they're going to invest money in him, they're going to have to have the team do it. And so I think right now he's on hold until June or July and maybe even longer. Mike Clowney, if he goes back or he desires to go back to Seattle, uh, might that be quicker because they know him and they know what his physical status is? 100%, yeah. And that's why it's so baffling that uh, 
he hasn't made the move back, you know, because they've now, you know, I know they started out offering like about 13 million, but they've gone as high as 16 million. Now that doesn't equal what he was hoping for because he was hoping for 22 to 23 million, but uh, that didn't happen. Then he lowered it to 17 million and nobody was even budget that when he talked yesterday to Mark Berman down in Houston on his podcast, he said he's had a few offers, but my, that's my guess is that, you know, Miami offered him early at 18, five, then uh, he turned that down. Then I think that Cleveland was kind of sniffing it around at the 17 mark, but that's old. And now I think all it is is Tennessee. And my guess is if he doesn't sign with Seattle, he might end up signing like a one-year, $10 million deal in Tennessee to be with Mike Vrabel. But again, he's losing a lot of money, and right now he's not even close to making any kind of decision. Professor, great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks.